0: one or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible
1: Study. Good evening and welcome to this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. My name is Greg Gwyn, and uh, we welcome all who are listening to us uh, over the internet tonight as we join together for our weekly Thursday night internet study group It's a special week here at College View. We've been having a gospel meeting all week, and our gospel meeting continues tonight. In fact, we've just wrapped it up. And Clay Gentry spoke to us tonight, and he's going to join us on the Virtual Bible Study. Clay, welcome to the the program. Hey, I appreciate it, Greg. Thank you very much. Clay did a great job bringing to us a message from the Word of God tonight, and we've asked him to join us for our virtual Bible study. Jacob is uh, occupied in another gospel meeting uh, tonight, so he's not with us. And so, as our regular listeners know, when, whenever I'm driving the controls, uh, Clay, it's a little bit nerve-wracking. So I hope we'll be able to get that job done uh, without any uh, uh uh, mishaps whatsoever but I, th- I think we've got our stream out there and going and uh, hope that everybody who normally listens is able to pick it up um, remember how you contact us and how you can become a participant in the program tonight as always you can call us we've got a toll-free number 1-877-381-4567 so you can give us a call and get right on the air with us you can send us an email to questions at com. Also, you can get into the chat room if you're watching the live video stream on Ustream TV. The information as to how you can join the chat room is uh, scrolling across your screen. You can go there and join others who will be in the chat room. I see we've already got some participants there. Unfortunately, it looks like tonight they're not going to give us the option to open up that chat room to those without an account. So if you want to participate in the chat room You can easily set up a free account there. Uh, It's not hard to do, and it doesn't cost you anything. And So if you want to get in there, it looks like tonight they're not going to give us the option of letting unregistered participants be in the chat room. So get a a free account so you can do that every week in the chat room. Remember, we send regular updates on Twitter to give you the, the subjects that we're going to be discussing each week and to remind you to listen. So if you have a Twitter account, you can follow us at Uh, VBS questions at Twitter, so uh, do that as well. Also, we always remind you about our email update list. Uh, On Thursdays, we always always send out an update telling folks what our subject is going to be and asking some questions that we want to use as the basis of our discussion. We did that earlier today. In fact, Clay uh, provided the questions, and they tie in with the lesson that he just taught us during the gospel meeting. Clay, you talked to us tonight about... The episode in the life of jesus where he walked on the water and he went out to the disciples and they were in the boat and i think most of our listeners well remember the incident where peter uh, asked the lord and the lord invited him and he stepped out on the water tell us a little bit about that episode and, and we want to build on that tonight well, hey, thanks, Greg. You know, as I open
2: up my Bible, I'm looking for things that, that I can take and kind of use in my life today. And I wish people would use their Bible that way because we would do so, such a better job of living out our faith and our, our Christian walk, if I can use that term. But Peter walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14 is just one of those incredible stories of the New Testament. as I opened up the lesson, it talked about how there are many walks in the Bible. And I think perhaps this one stands out above them all, because here's a man who who is just like us, Peter. Uh, He wants to do right. He wants to do good. He wants to be with the Lord, and his walking on the water, as I I said, just stands as an invitation to all of us to to step out in faith sometimes, to not walk by sight, but to walk by faith, and to experience that extreme discipleship of really going out on the ledge and going out on the edge for the Lord and... uh, and just leaving our
1: comfort zones—that's actually one of our questions—is leaving the comfort zones of life and following the Lord. Well, you know that story is is a familiar one to us, and so sometimes I think the problem when we get around familiar stories we stop we stop thinking about practical applications of them. But when you think about that, it would have taken an incredible faith on Peter's part to want to step out of that boat into the storm. Absolutely. And so uh, I think there are some good practical lessons as you brought to us uh, in your study tonight. Let me read the questions that we put out there earlier tonight. We're going to use them as sort of a springboard for our discussion. Number one, in this story, the boat is a good rep- representation of our comfort zones. Like the other 11 disciples, we're not willing to live, leave our comfort zones to follow Christ. What do you think are some comfort zones that people need to leave behind in order to walk with Christ. So I get the point here and this is what we're going to talk about first. The other actually Peter was way different than the others. They weren't willing to leave the boat. It,
2: no, they weren't. And, and as I say in the question, it represents a
1: perfect comfort zone. It, it was in the middle of a storm, so it was yeah. pretty rough anyway. <laughs> but was. at least being in the boat sure looked better than being, being out in the, the boat. water. That's right. So it, it represented a comfort zone. We're, we're inclined to do that too, to to stay in a comfort zone, not to get outside of that comfort zone. and And that limits us. We want to talk about, first point we want to talk about, what are some of those comfort zones that we are tempted to stay in? Number two we'll get to this. we 're going to progress along this lines. Number two, what are some of the greatest fears people have about leaving the comfort zone of their boat and walking with Jesus? In other words, what's, what, what are our fears? Number three, what 's one thing people could change in their lives today that would energize and grow their faith in walking with Jesus? And finally, number four, when Peter began to focus more on the wind and less on Jesus, he began to sink. what 's one scripture or piece of advice that you would like to share with someone who is beginning to focus more on wind and less on Jesus? So that's the way our, we plan to, to develop our study tonight. Again, I suspect as you're listening that you're familiar with this story of Peter and Jesus and the episode where Peter asked Jesus to walk on the water with him and he stepped out into the storm. Uh, we're, we're taking that story tonight with the hope of making some good practical applications that will help us to be stronger and more effective uh, in the work of the Lord. So let's talk about this idea of comfort zones. What are uh, some of the comfort zones that we experience, Clay.
2: Well, I think uh, an excellent place for us to start would be uh, Luke chapter 9. We, we see even some of these listed here in the Scriptures and the people in the first century. Uh, we we'll go over to Luke chapter 9, uh, beginning there at uh, verse 57, which is a passage that we talk about the cost of discipleship. Uh, there's a man who comes and says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I would categorize this that uh, this man uh, didn't want to follow him, and so his comfort zone was the comforts of life. Uh, He didn't want to leave behind those things and follow the Lord. Uh, The next one uh, would be uh, more inclined towards family. Let me first go bury my father. Inclined towards a comfort zone of family and relationships. Uh, the, the second in verse 61, he said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And you know, I've always thought, well, why didn't the Lord want him to say goodbye to his family? Well, I think it's because the Lord knew that time was of the essence. And so here's a man who is comfortable that he has enough
1: time to do what the Lord would want him to do. Exactly right. Well, uh, bringing that to us personally today, I can I can see how that... We would be inclined to do the same sort of things, in other words, there's certain things we ought to be doing for the Lord. We ought to be trying to convert the lost yep. Uh we need to be trying to edify those who are weak uh, there's just all kinds of good effort that could to could go into kingdom work and yet in order to do it, I would have to maybe go in places where I'm not as comfortable as I would like to be you know it's 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 comfortable to stay at home to just sort of become a hermit within the four walls of my own house or it's comfortable to be in in a local church where i've been for a long time and we can talk among ourselves about gospel things but it's, it's different to go out there and talk to strangers or people who are not of the same persuasion that i am necessarily so if, if I'm going to accomplish as much as the Lord wants me to accomplish, I've got to get out of some of those comfort zones and, and, and expand to some other areas. You know, one of the things you said to begin with, that the boat represents our comfort
2: zone, but it really wasn't a comfortable place. I don't know if you've ever been out on the water, but I have a tendency to get seasick. Okay, that boat was being rocked about. It was wet in there. It was miserable in there. It was an uncomfortable comfort zone. And yet so many people reside in uncomfortable comfort zones. They, they don't like where they're at. Uh, they don't like the fact that, that they're not, they don't have the gumption, if I can say that, to go talk to their neighbor. They want to, and yet, but they're still not willing to to leave that uncomfortable comfort zone. It's, and I really think it's because we become so complacent with the predictability of life that we like to keep things the way they are. I don't like the relationship. Somebody might say, "I don't like the relationship I have with my with my unbelieving family relative over here." We seem to argue all the time about religion, or or, or there's a cold silence there. I wish it was different, but I'm not going to talk
1: because I'm comfortable with this uncomfortable silence. Yeah, I, I've I've had a psychologist once try to explain why it is, uh, for instance, that a woman. Uh, Stays in an abusive relationship. Why do, why do you keep staying in that? He says there's there, there's a comfort zone. You know, it's like an old shoe. You you may not like the old shoe. It, it may be ugly and mostly worn out, but you you you're familiar with it, and you don't have to try something different. and And I think that's what we do in regards to sharing our faith, talking to those who are not Christians. We just rather not. And again, we maybe even feel guilty that we don't do a better job of sharing the gospel. But it's we're just un, unsure of the of the unknown. We don't want to go out there and, and expose ourselves to something that we're not familiar to. You know,
2: in the passage that comes to my mind when you say that is Luke chapter 11, verse 28. And I would just reference the last part of this verse. This is the Lord speaking. And he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I think you're probably familiar, and I'd say some of our listeners are as well, that the word blessed occasionally is actually translated happy. And it can be rightfully translated happy. If we want to be happy, here's the key. Hear the word of God and go out and do it. Keep it. Do the things that it teaches you to do. One of the things that it teaches us to do is get out of our comfort zones and walk on the water with him just like Peter did. To, to reach out and to step out into faith, to, to trust Jesus. It's so hard to trust Jesus sometimes, isn't it? We've never seen him. We've never touched him. We've never walked with him physically. But, but it requires trust. And, and as we look at our comfort zones in our lives, as I brought out in the lesson, it might be your occupation. Maybe your occupation is where you feel comfortable because you receive all kinds of accolades. And, and you, you're compensated uh, rather handsomely, and you don't want to give that
1: up to be able to better serve the Lord, and that's the, that's a person's comfort zone. I think that'd be a good example. So, if you were going to summarize what you think are 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 our most uh, cozy comfort zones, <laughs> what, what, what how would you list them? You think? Okay, I think family. Relationships. So I'm 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 very comfortable with my family. Yeah. And if I and I just stay around them, I don't want to be around others. I just stay That's with right. my family. Okay. I, I
2: don't want to associate with other Christians because they're not my family. Or, or I hate to or,
1: say it that or, way. Or but the I lost. I don't want to be lost. around the lost.
2: That's right. Okay. Uh, I think uh, possessions. Uh, we're comfortable in uh, in having an abundance of possessions, and we don't want to give that up. Uh, we find happiness in
1: possessions. If, if I was to become a more devoted Christian it might keep me from advancing in my job. Yep. I might not make as much money, yep. therefore not be able to have as many things. Yep. I just don't want to get out there and people say I'm some kind of a fanatical extremist, yep. and therefore I'm going to get bypassed in my career path. I won't be able to move up the ladder. Right, okay? right.
2: So we got family, we got possessions. Uh, I, I would think that uh, another one here would be traditions. Uh, when you think about the traditions of the Pharisees, they didn't want to give those things up to, to follow the Lord. Uh, we might think about uh, a, a religious heritage or religious tradition that a person might have. Maybe they come out of a, of a Methodist background or a Presbyterian
1: background, and that's what they've that's always. That's what we been. always did. We all, my we, my family put these two together. Yeah. My family always <laughs> did this, yeah. so they got family and tradition blended together. It's what I'm comfortable with because what we always done, right. That's exactly right, and, and we'll,
2: we'll, we'll never know the joy of serving the Lord. We'll never know true happiness unless we're willing to give those things up and move past that and walk with him, as
1: we said this evening, walk with him on the water. All right. We've got a few people who've wandered in to listen to us tonight. Arthur Haynes is there with the microphone in his hand. Arthur, if you think of any – got something you want to add in here? Let me get you up here. Let's see. Go ahead, Arthur.
3: I know sometimes we're rather critical or hypercritical of Peter. You just brought out something there tonight, Clay, in the lesson that that I had not even thought of, and especially when you uh, described uh, that uh, condition there on the sea and how that Peter was even willing uh, to step down out of there and... He wasn't the one who was a failure. The, the one that stayed in the boat was the ones that a failure. He was the one who was a hero and not be critical of him uh, because he did take the step to walk on the water.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, well, we need, we need to take our first break, and uh, when we come back, we want to continue uh, discussing this episode of Peter, walking on the water with Jesus, and what some practical applications are for us. We'll be back right after this break.
0: You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages.
1: us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study wow this internet thing is really growing and what could be better than using the internet for bible study i guess that's what they were thinking when they dreamed up the virtual bible
0: study good idea don't you think use your internet connection for something good listen to the virtual bible study every week now back to the program
1: and we're back uh, continuing to talk with clay gentry uh as a follow-up to the lesson that he brought us during our gospel meeting here at college view he talked to us about uh the episode where peter walked on the water with jesus and some of the implications of that and how we can make application to our lives by the way before we continue this discussion just want to mention that our gospel meeting here at college view continues tomorrow night continues and concludes tomorrow night and we'd be glad to have any who are in the middle tennessee area join us at seven o'clock tomorrow evening for the final service of our gospel meeting gary smalley who preaches regularly for the old hickory church in jackson tennessee will be speaking to us tomorrow night so if you can join us we'd be glad to have you if you're within driving distance here in middle tennessee well, Clay, we talked about comfort zones and that, that really to be an effective servant of the Lord, you've got to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. The, the, the follow-up to that question that you offered us was, what are some of the fears that are keeping us from doing so? So it's clear that we need to, to sort of stretch ourselves to get out there, to do more than we've been doing. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. What are some of the fears that are likely keeping us from doing that? Well, the first—I think—the first fear is the uh, the most obvious one.
2: There's a storm out there. Uh, it, it's crazy out there. The wind's blowing. It's it's raining cats was, and
1: dogs. Which was literally the literally case, which it, was literally Peter.
2: what was going on. And as Arthur uh, pointed out in his comment, that, that we need to, we need to see that these eleven disciples that didn't get out of the boat, they were paralyzed by fear. And and I, I can guarantee you at least crossed one person's mind. If it didn't cross all eleven, that, hey, there's a storm out there. Do y'all expect me to walk on this water? Yeah. And come to him. And I think that's the first one. And and when we think that, uh, I, I wrote down Mark chapter four, uh, verse um, verse thirty nine. Just real simple. The Lord says three words here that we always need to keep in mind: peace, be still. The Lord calmed the storms uh, this day. The physical storms. Of his day, and I, I just I guarantee folks, and I hope folks will, that are listening will understand this: that the Lord can calm the storms of our lives today still. Uh, that, that He says to us, in a spiritual sense, uh, obviously,
1: peace be still, and He'll give us that peace that passes all understanding. Okay, so uh, now, as as I'm sure you you would want to clarify too, we're not saying that yeah. the Lord works yeah. miraculous things in our life as He did in there. I understand. Yeah, but, absolutely. We do if, if we put our trust in the Lord, we have the confidence, as we read for instance in deuteronomy six verse twenty four that the commands of the Lord are for our good always things go well when we live according to the will of god yes and and uh, and that 's not necessarily always in the physical realm because we know that some of god 's most faithful people through the centuries suffered some pretty horrendous things yes. physically, but in in our spiritual life and in our relationship with him things are well when we trust him and live by his word. And, and
2: you know, when you think about the things that that Paul
1: suffered and the beatings that he
2: suffered and the shipwreck and the being lost at sea and the hunger and the thirst and the the lashes that he endured, why did he endure that? Because he had a hope. He had a hope that that could not be extinguished. And he had a faith that, that could not be put out. And those two things, the things that need to sustain us, during the storms of life, a hope of an eternal rest, faith that that the the promises of the Lord are sure, and that He's going to do the things for us that He said He would do. And one of the things that He said through His Spirit, one of the things He said He would do, is that all things would work together for good to those that love the Lord. And, and that all
1: means all things. And and in that, of course, we've got to develop a, a, a spiritual perspective of thing on things. You know, because yeah. uh, if if you focus just on the here and now. In the moment, yep. you know, if, if, if you get thrown in jail for being a Christian in the moment, that doesn't sound necessarily good. No. But, but if we have the right perspective, as Paul did, as he faced his hardships, then even even an imprisonment is a minor thing in the big picture. Yes. Uh,
2: if I could go ahead and just add another answer to that question, uh, setting uh, coming after question one, what are some of those comfort zones? Why do people fear getting out of those comfort zones? It's because they don't think they're good enough. People look and say, well, you know, I know brother so and so, I know sister so and so, and they're they're fantastic people. But I could never be like that. They don't think they're good enough. Uh, they they look at Jesus and they look at the life He lived, and they look at the life that the early disciples lived, and they say, I could never do that. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to establish their righteousness before God based on their works, based on the things that they do. And and, and Paul told the uh, the church at Rome there in uh, chapter ten. Uh, he he said, uh, talking about the Jews of his day, verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And and he's, he's saying that they're trying to establish it their own way instead of just relying on Jesus Christ. And when we rely on him, now, in a believing religion, there are things to do. We understand that. But we don't put our trust in the things we do. We put our trust in him. And when we put our trust in him, in His righteousness, then we can be good enough. We can be righteous enough, and we have no need to fear. Okay, let's
1: let me pose a, a a a real everyday kind of a scenario to you. I got a neighbor, and this neighbor is not a Christian. And I know that I mean, and I, I, this probably fits us all. I know that if I don't get the message of salvation to him, he's probably never going to hear it. My comfort zone is to stay at my house and not be at his house. What am I afraid of? What keeps me from going over there and initiating a discussion with him about, in other words, uh, my comfort zone is my house, my family, my things. I need to get out of that. I need to go over there and talk to him because he needs the message of salvation desperately. I know that i'm I'm acutely aware of it because of the things that I've observed in his life. He needs to know the saving message of salvation. What am I afraid of? what's keeping me from being there two two things the fear of not knowing enough. what if he asked me a question i'm not a good I enough te- I'm, I'm not a good enough
2: teacher I'm not a good enough teacher. What if he asked me a question I can't answer
1: well, if you can't answer it, what an excellent opportunity to have a second meeting yeah i've always <laughs> so, i've always said you know that's not a bad thing to say. No, that's great. I don't know, but I'll find out. Yep. And we'll talk about it next time. That yep. leaves the door open to the second discussion. That's exactly If we'll
2: just change our frame of mind on these things, we can be successful people. The second thing is rejection. Uh, people are afraid of being rejected. But the Lord told us that if men reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And so now... Now, if I understand that and I know that, I can go over to the neighbor and say, hey, we've got a Bible study going on over at my house. I'd love for you to come. I don't like the Bible. Well, now I don't have to cry.
1: He didn't hurt my feelings. Yeah. He's he's done that to the Lord and not to me. Exactly. We've got an email from Jack. Jack is down in Mississippi tonight, and he writes in uh, about these fears that keep people from leaving their comfort zone. He says, "Fear." this is exactly what you were saying, Troy, fear of being rejected by their peers too many of us don't want to be seen as different or what some would label as strange. That's, uh, that's exactly right. I think Jack has said it very well. I don't want to go over and talk to that neighbor because I'm, my fear is that he's going to say, I guess some kind of a nut. You know, he's some kind of a religious fanatic. And so he'll reject me. But as you said, ultimately he'd be rejecting the Lord, not me. But secondly, we, you know, our relationship isn't, isn't, you know, we're different people already. Yeah. In, in other words, he, I, I'm trying to live by, by the values taught in the Scripture, and he obviously isn't. He, he probably already thinks that I'm odd. Maybe if I had a chance to talk with him, I could help him see that I'm just like him in many ways, uh, with the exception of the fact that, that I've learned the truth of the gospel that he needs to learn.
2: Hey, you know, and I appreciate Jack's insight on this, because he makes that point that, that we're afraid of being different. But, you know, it's so funny. In fashion, we love to be different, right? In sports, we always love to root for the underdog because we want to be different. In every avenue of our life, we're Americans. We value individualism. That just means we value being different. Let's just allow that to come into the faith. Yeah. Let's let's allow that to be different. I think Arthur wants to say that.
1: Arthur, give us some insight. Yeah,
3: Greg, I was just thinking of an indication of or an example that, you know, Samuel of old, when the people wanted a king and uh Samuel was very upset about that. he felt like they'd rejected him, yep. and God told him said, "No, they have not rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me
1: exactly right and so yep. we we if you again if you stop and think about the faithful people of God through the through the ages all of the all of the most faithful people of God had to take hard stands, unpopular stands, stands that made them sometimes feel like they were all alone. I mean the the familiar episode of Elijah in the Old Testament. He thought he was all he wasn't ultimately all alone, but he felt that he was and he feared for his life. Jezebel said by this time tomorrow I'm going to have you dead. And he trembled in fear for his life. Uh great men of God through the ages have had to had to to deal with those fears and go go forward. And that's basically what God told Elijah to do. Yep. I got work for you to do. Let let, let me let
2: me add one more verse here. Going back to the idea of just we don't know enough, there's also another fear. People don't know what to say. They don't know how to start out a religious conversation. Well, I love Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. I call this the commission for the rest of us. The people who want to go around the world and go overseas, let them go to Matthew 28. This is the one for the rest of us. It tells you where to go. What to say. This is uh, Jesus speaking to the Gadarene who had just healed of the demon possession. He tells him what to do. He says, go home to your friends. He tells them what to say. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. There's there's the commission right there. That's easy enough. Go home. Just cross the backyard. Cross the street. Talk to your neighbor while you're out mowing the grass and just tell them how great the Lord is and what he's done for you. And there it is. It's right there in a
1: nutshell. Yeah, uh, that, that's very good. And I, I would I would connect with that also in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. Basically, our job is to repeat that message, come. Yep. yep. You know, uh, remember when uh, uh, Philip called Nathaniel yep. and, you know, he said, you know, we found the one, we found the Messiah, and and Nathaniel was doubtful, and Andrew's, or Philip, rather, Philip's responsible, just come and see. Come and see. And that's basically all we have to be ready to do is to tell people, come and see for yourself, check it out for yourself. Yep. And, 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 and... go ahead, Arthur.
3: You know, I, I know you said earlier, you know, he's talking about all these different individuals that was afraid, that yeah. was afraid to do God's yeah. will. But you know when I think about that, and then what the book of Revelation, and it's not a discrepancy or a contradiction, but in uh, Revelation uh, 21 in verse 8, he said, "But the fearful, and unbelieving, abominable, murderers, and whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, that burneth fire and brimstone, which is the second death." Uh, and this is a lot of what you're saying, you know, it's the people that are fearful to do it, and then look what he says is a condemnation for such. Now, you're reading the King James there? Right. The New King James says cowardly.
2: And and, and as I read that list, and I'm glad you brought that up, as I read that list, Greg, there's something that stands out to me there. Cowardly are what Christians do. Christians don't do those other sins. At least we don't expect them to be doing that. But cow- being cowards, that's common. Being fearful, that's common. Pretty common. That is so common. And how many people will lose their soul
1: simply because they let fear paralyze them and have control of them? We've got a good follow-up from Jack in Mississippi on an email. He said, "Here's an example of those who are afraid of stepping out of their comfort zone." John 12:42 and 43. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. That's a perfect example, and I think you're exactly right, Jack.
2: Thanks, Jack. You know, I would build off that how many people are fearful of being put out of their family, put out of their circle of friends, exactly. put out of the recreation they enjoy,
1: the possessions they have. Or
2: they maybe out of their, uh,
1: again, maybe out of the uh, job situation yep. that, they, that they cherish. Yep. A lot of, lot of good examples. All right, we're going to take our uh, bullet point break, and we'll be back in a minute to continue our discussion. Uh, join in either by way of email, phone call, or get in the chat room. Uh, the email is questions at collegeview.com. The phone number is one 381 We'll be right back.
0: Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement.
1: This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Did you ever meet a Christian that didn't want the church to grow? No. We'd all like to see increases, both numerical and spiritual. But for many, there's the overwhelming and frustrating sense that there's nothing I can do. With this in mind, we suggest the following list of things that every Christian can do. First of all, pray for the church, for the elders, deacons, preacher, and every member. Also, faithfully attend every service. This is one of the simplest yet most fundamental steps to church growth. Third, live a pure life. We will not succeed in teaching others if our own lives are not what they should be. Also, study regularly, at home and during our public study sessions. And then invite others to attend the assemblies with you. This is not hard, and it will work. And also, set up classes with unbelievers. Neighbors, family members, co-workers, and so forth are all excellent teaching prospects. You'll be surprised at the response you'll get if you'll just take the first step. If you do not feel qualified to teach these classes, there are others who can, but you must take the initiative. And then also, encourage weak Christians. A phone call, a visit, or a letter will show that you care. There's nothing new in these suggestions we've just given, but have you been doing these things regularly? You say you want the church to grow. If so, then get to work. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it.
3: Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night?
0: Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away,
1: guys. And we're back as we continue our discussion with Clay Gentry about some of the things that we can do to be more effective in the service of the Lord. Uh, We're we're basing our study on the episode where Peter stepped out of the boat to walk with the Lord on the water and some of the things that we can learn from that episode. We've been talking about the need to get out of our comfort zone. This is sort of our discussion is along the lines of the lesson that Clay brought to us during our gospel meeting tonight, and I think it has lots of implications for us as we live our daily lives as Christians We've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to overcome some of the things that we're afraid of that are keeping us in that comfort zone. We've got a chatter in the chat room going by the name Master of None. And he says we're afraid of people rejecting us as a neighbor. We're afraid of being different. In essence, we really don't love God. And then he references the verse we mentioned earlier from John 12, verses 42 and 43. The people believe or are afraid of confessing and following. Uh, Do you think, Clay... Uh, he says that this is a sign that we don't really love God. If we if if we let our fears keep us back more so than getting out there, is it a sign of a lack of love for God? Uh, I, I I don't know if I would be so absolute,
2: but I would say it's uh, an indication of our depth of our love for God. Okay, uh, I, I would be I would be fearful of, of making such a a broad brush statement like
1: that. But but there's some truth there though. Uh, well, yeah, and, and I would I would approach it this way. If if someone if if one of my children or grandchildren was in jeopardy, I would overcome my fear yep. to do whatever I could to serve that loved one. Yep. In other words, I love them enough that I'll do anything. I, I'll get out of any comfort zone. I'll 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 risk anything. I'll I'll overcome any element of fear in order to to do for that loved one. And so, in a way, if if we are staying in our comfort zone, and we mm-hmm. won't overcome our fears. It, it may, in fact, represent that we don't have a commitment right. to the Lord like we would have to a family member. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go on to our to our third point of consideration. The third question that you suggested earlier, uh, Clay, was, what's one thing that people could change in their lives today that would energize and grow their faith in walking with Jesus? Uh, well, I wrote down four one things uh, that that people could do. So yeah. not what well, you, you got.
2: I
3: four got four things of one things. Of one. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, just a minute. We got a comment here. Go ahead, Arthur.
3: Yeah. Just excuse me. I I just happened to think of something. Backing up just a little bit. Uh, look at King Saul. He's a prime example, isn't it? What God had told him to do: go down and wait yep. for Samuel to come. He didn't do it.
1: He because, went he, over, because he was afraid. Because That's he was right. Afraid. He was
3: afraid. And what did he do, or fail to do, when he went to uh, destroy the Amalekites? All was, the animals. He was afraid of the people. Afraid of the people. So you can see what happened. The kingdom was taken from him, and God definitely didn't accept Saul any time thereafter.
1: Exactly. Yep. Good yep. point, Arthur. All right, Clay. Give us, give okay. us what you think are. Uh, some one some things. things to change. Okay, I'm going to give you four one things. All right. You said right. one thing, but you got
3: four I know.
2: Okay. Pray more. One of the things that we can do that, that will just energize and grow our faith is, is to pray more. You know, the, the prayer, we got to recognize that prayer is just not something that we do for God's benefit. God already knows what I need before I even ask it. He's already put into motion those things that, that will come about that, that are for my good. Prayer is a really a bending of my will to meet God's will. When you, if you go down on your knees and you pray to God and you told Him how glorious, how awesome, how majestic He was, is that going to change your perspective about God? If you got down on your knees and and you did what Paul told the church in Thessalonica, rejoice always. If you got down and prayed to the Lord, just rejoicing and giving Him thanks for the things that He done. In verse seventeen. Pray without ceasing. Make those supplications. Request and ask him of things that you need to show yourself how dependent you are upon him. And then give him thanks for everything.
1: And, and, and we, we need to be doing that. So one of the things that I can do to overcome fear and be motivated to get out of my comfort zone is pray more. Because as you say, prayer is really designed for our, for our benefit. Right. It makes me more spiritually. Yep. Inclined, It keeps my focus on on the things that are really important instead of the trivialities of life. It keeps my spiritual focus there on God. I I think this is a a key point about prayer. We don't pray for God's benefit. It's not like God is up in heaven, and somehow or another, he just needs us to pray to him. His existence depends upon having mortal human beings to offer prayers to him. That's just an absolutely wrong picture. We're not doing it for him. We're doing it for us. And he, in his great wisdom, knew that this is this is something that would be beneficial for our mm-hmm. spiritual being to pray. And so, certainly, prayer is going to be a big boost to us in overcoming fears, getting out there, and doing the things we need to do.
2: Uh, I, another thing that that I would that I would uh, recommend to folks is just count your blessings. You, we remember that we know that, that old song, "Count Your Blessings." One of the verses says, "When upon life's billows waves." Like the you star. are tempest right, tossed. Like, yeah. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Angels will attend, uh, help and help and comfort. Give you till your, your journey's, journey's end. end. Yeah. Just count your blessings. Take out a sheet of paper and write down all the things that the Lord's given you, and you'll feel better about yourself. And you'll feel better about the Lord, and you can overcome your fear because this is a witness. This list of blessings is a witness of the things that
1: the Lord has done for you. If I was if I was to to, to sort of make a parallel, uh, let's say that there's somebody of our acquaintance, Arthur. You and I have been in this kind of a situation before. There's somebody of our acquaintance, and they've got a job to do, and it's a pretty hard job, you know. And I'd just as soon stay home. I would really rather not get involved in that. But if, when I stop to think about all the stuff that that guy has done for me, then I think how could I possibly not do for him after all he's done for me. Uh, And so I get myself up, I get going, I get out there and get busy serving that person's need. Now, to make the application, when we think about all that God has done for us by counting our blessings, if if we enumerate in our mind, and I've even suggested take take a piece of paper and write them down. You'll get tired of writing before you get done with the list. But if you think of all that God has done for you, in in the in the physical world, physical blessings, and then when you multiply that with with the the insurmountable spiritual blessings that come to us through Christ Jesus, His Son, then by counting blessings, we should be motivated to get mm-hmm. busy, overcome our fears, get out there and work. Go ahead, Arthur.
3: And two, um, thinking about prayer, uh, remember there in Luke six and verse twelve, it whereas it says there that uh, Christ being the Son of God, said he had continued all night in prayer to God. Uh, And thinking about uh, him being the Son of God and praying all night, you would think... uh, you know, how could he not be repetitious? Well, we do, do know that one of his prayers just before his crucifixion was that when he went away, uh, he went away and uh, from the other disciples and said he had prayed the very same prayer three times. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in talking about prayer, I know sometimes I've done it in a number of times and suggested that when we're praying, if we try to enumerate, as you've already spoke of there, Greg, on all of the different things, name them. However, how minute they may be, then you can see how that uh, we could pray for a lot longer than what we do a lot of times, and possibly as long as Christ did.
2: And, you know, you're, you're, you're right that, that in, in what you're saying. I would add something else to that. Prayer just isn't limited to us getting down on our knees and folding our hands and bowing our head. We can sing a song. I noticed in your song book that I've seen that one before, there are many songs in there that are actually prayers. If a song ends with amen, it is plainly a prayer. You can sing a song to the Lord
1: as part of your prayer. You can read scripture. The psalms are full of, full of it. passages like that. The psalms are full of a lot of passages where David was... In a fearful situation, and he was praying for strength to overcome.
2: You know, while we're on while we're talking about the Psalms, the, uh, one of the other things that I wrote in here about energizing our faith and growing our faith to walk with Jesus is to read His Word. The the sad thing about the 119th Psalm is that everybody knows it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and they've never read it. It is a beautiful, beautiful chapter about focusing on the Word of God. You know, I would look at uh, the 25th verse. My soul clings Uh to the dust. Uh Revive me according to your word. He's low. He's down. As I think I've heard one old preacher say, he's as low as a snake's belly in a rut. But where does he go? He goes to the word of God. Verse 28, my soul melts with heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. How many people's hearts have melted within them of fear? How do they overcome that fear? Well, he tells us right here, go to the Word. And we could do that through the whole 119th Psalm.
1: Yeah. One of the things that we do here at College View is we try to encourage our members to read. Uh, we, we put out every year, we put out a Bible reading calendar. And I, I'm assuming Arthur will probably do that again this next year. And we encourage people to spend some time reading their Bibles every day. And I want to tell you, just my experience is that when I do that, Especially if I start my day doing that, it really keeps, helps me get focused early on things that I need to stay focused on all day. But reading the Word is so important. Go ahead, Arthur. Uh, two,
3: um in talking about, uh, reading His Word and starting a day out with it, you know, I've, I've read, uh, 119th uh, Psalm a number of times and you know how many verses there? In that 176 verses, I believe it is, that doesn't refer to his covenant, his his judgment, his law. I think they all do, don't they? I think two. 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 There's two. Two. two, 121, 122, no, 122, and 123. Do you have I, that marked in your Bible? Yes, yes I oh, do. Okay. <laughs> he said, uh, "No, I just remember that." I, but I, he said, uh, "Be assured, before thy servant, for good, let not the proud oppress me." Yeah, you know that doesn't. I don't think uh, in mine eyes fail. No, it's not. Not even because he's talking about salvation there. Uh, but he's not talking, talk, well, that's not talking about his word, but right. I think that's just the the two that I have found that he doesn't say something about his word. The importance is of his word that he makes it very well known in 119
2: well, Psalms. You know, if we want to have faith to overcome our fear, then where do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's right. We read the word of God, our faith will be increased. We'll
1: overcome our fear. Okay, we I, can act. We're going to go to break here in a minute. You've got three of your one things in there. Okay. You, okay. Let me see if I remember what All you right. said. We're going to pray, pray blessings, count our blessings,
2: read the word. Read the word. Number four, change the way you think. All right. Change the way you think. There, there's a lot of people who don't feel good unless they're feeling bad. It's because they want to dwell on bad things. But but Paul told the church there at, uh, in, in Philippians chapter 4 that, that to stop thinking about the bad things. He said he replaced them with the lovely things, Whatever, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, or noble or just, pure, lovely, uh, virtuous, uh, praiseworthy. He says meditate on these things. And we reserve that word meditate. It really just means to think. But we reserve that word meditate to, for real thoughtful, uh, quiet moments. And what we need to see is that this is important to do every day of our lives. Change the way we think. Two people can look at the exact same situation that's going on. One could look at it and say, oh, this is just horrible. What are we going to do? And the other person can look at it and say, I see what we can do. And he acts. It's because he sees it from a different point of view.
1: And, you know, we do. We, there's a lot of emphasis in the Word of God on Thought control, yeah. thinking right in order to do right. Thoughts precede actions. Uh, all, all who understand human behavior understand that thoughts precede actions. You think and then you do. So you got to think right if you want to do right. And I think that's a an obvious point that we need to put into practice in our life. Got uh, a comment? Uh, another from Jack who says, uh, "What could people do to change their lives today that would energize and grow their faith? Don't be concerned about what people think." when we take a stand for Jesus, don't be so concerned about what people think. Uh, I, I believe that that is a, a, a very good point. And, uh, of course that's a challenge because we are all for some reason, so concerned that somebody will think that we're odd or different or something. Uh, we got to overcome that. Stop worrying about what people think. Worry more about what God thinks of us than what people think of us. Yep. Absolutely. All right. We're going to go to our final break and then we'll take it to the top of the hour. You can, uh, Join in the chat room we 've got a couple in there. Dean is in there, Master of none is in there uh, again tonight we 're not able to open the chat room up if you don 't have a registered account with ustream, but that 's a free account. You can register real early and get uh, really easily and get in the chat room. so do that. Give us a phone call one eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven Or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this message.
0: After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break.
2: I'm Trent Haynes, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a reminder about the update mailing list for the virtual Bible study. Every Thursday shortly after noon, an email message is sent out with information about the topic for discussion on that evening's program. You're invited to start sending feedback and comments that are then included during the broadcast. If you'd like to be added to our update list, just send a message to questions at collegeview.com and put add me to the list in the subject line. That's all there is to it. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the Virtual Bible Study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're
0: waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back
1: to the program and we're back uh we've got fifteen minutes left, plenty of time for you to get involved in the program uh we'd love to have your ear input we're talking about serving the Lord being more faithful doing doing more things to his honor and glory you got to get out of your comfort zone and you've got to overcome your fears that are keeping you in that comfort zone and uh, uh do some things and that uh, I guess what we're saying uh clay is you got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to overcome your fears. That, you, that, you, that won't happen unless you put forth some concerted effort to accomplish that. And so we just talked about some of the things that could help us do that. In other words, I'm in my comfort zone, and I'm afraid to get out of it. Well, I'll just stay there forever if I don't do something different, right? That's right. That's right. And so we've got to get out of the comfort zone by doing some specific things, and we just tried to mention some of those things. Now, finally, we want to talk about this. When Peter began to focus more on the wind and less on Jesus, he began to sink. We remember that episode. What's one scripture or piece of advice that you would like to share with someone who's beginning to focus more on the wind and less on Jesus? In other words, in that storm, when when he was focused on Jesus, he got out of the boat and he was walking on the water. He was he was able to accomplish that miracle with his focus on Jesus. But when he looked around, and the text says he looked around and he saw the wind and the waves. And he got afraid and he began to sink. So the 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 real life or practical application of that is sometimes when we lose our focus and we begin to look at other things around us, uh, it, it can cause us to have trouble in our service to the Lord. What what can we do uh, or, or what will we say to help people overcome that? Well uh
2: I I would just remind people of two verses and, and I would tie these these two verses together with, with the one thought. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, Peter said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He says he's going to keep every promise that he made to us. And I love the great promise that's made in Matthew chapter twenty eight, verse twenty. I am with you always. I know there's a reference there to to, to being to the end of that particular age, but it still applies to us today that the Lord is always going to be with us. He's not going to leave us. Uh, He's going to walk with us so long as we're walking with him. And what a great promise to know that that even though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with me. He's walking with me to, to tie in the 23rd Psalm. There's a great promise there that will energize anybody who's taking their eyes off the Lord. And there's a point there that that I wanted to. Uh, I didn't make it during the sermon. It was it was in my notes, so, but um, forgot to make it. How hard was that wind blowing for him to see it?
1: He it saw, says he, he saw, saw the wind. wind. Exactly. Now, how hard was that wind blowing for him <laughs> to see it? Well, you got to believe it was a pretty bad. Storm. That's a pretty bad tell, storm. Tell, uh, you made a couple of points there, uh, sort of a word study of the description of that storm during your sermon, Clay. You said that they were that that the words. Tell, yeah. tell us about that. Uh,
2: when, when we go back to uh, to the first storm that they encountered, when Jesus is asleep in the boat, here, here are the words are, are, are just meaning a, a windstorm. But when we go back to that first storm, uh, we see a couple of words that are quite interesting. Matthew, uh, to describe it, to describe this sor- storm, uses uh, seismos which sounds like it's the greek for earthquake.
1: Well, a seismograph is seismograph, what measures. measure seismologists. Uh, that's yeah. what measures an earthquake. That's right. So so
2: he's saying it's an earthquake storm. And uh, Luke uses a greek word that, that I know I butchered and uh, I tried real hard to pronounce it halfway correctly, but it, it, if I can recall the exact way to pronounce it, le, le, le Elias, le Elias uh, which is the modern greek word for hurricane. And so essentially, the
1: storms that they're going through they're hurricane earthquake storms, so as you and you pointed out, and I've read this too, that the geography of the Sea of Galilee, the way it lays in that valley is such that it that when a windstorm comes up on that lake it's a, it's a violent storm, and the waves would be tremendous absolutely and you got to remember this is an old this is an archaic kind of boat <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and so it's going to be tossed in in that wave and so it was a really bad storm that peter stepped out into
3: and um i was thinking the example there of something along the same line in where that uh, you know uh, people turn back from jesus for various reasons and but i was thinking in terms of the time that uh, when jesus had uh, had uh, said some things that uh the individuals there in uh, six and um, uh, sixtieth verse, he said, uh, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying; who can hear it? And then skip on down to verse sixty-six, and mm-hmm. he said, and from this time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you not also go away? Then Peter answered and said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and assure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here's some people just turned back because they thought it was a hard saying. They turned from Jesus and, you know, what's the indication ever that they came back? Just with a hard saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would add,
2: and I wrote, down, uh, I wrote down those two verses. I also wrote down uh, two pieces of advice. And if anybody's listening tonight, and, and, and you're in this state, you, you read about Peter walking on the water, and, and maybe you maybe you identify with the 11 that didn't get out of the boat. Maybe you identify with Peter, that, that you've really stepped out in faith, you tried to serve the Lord, but you've fallen down, you've begun to sink. Let me just tell you two things. Jesus never called anybody in order to make them sink. He, every time he calls for anybody to come, it was to walk, and he and called so for
1: it, Peter it, to come. The Lord's not asking us to do this thing. Because he knows if we try it, we're going to be a miserable failure, right. and he just delights in seeing us fail. That's the wrong picture. I know, but but some, too many people have that
2: picture of God. Yeah, that, that, that he wants us to fail. He, he gets his kicks out of seeing uh, mankind fall into sin. But that's not the Lord that we serve. We serve a Lord that calls us, and when He calls us, He wants us to succeed. I would also remind people of this: whenever Jesus called us, calls anybody to get out of their proverbial boat. He's going to empower them to walk with him. He's going to give them the power to stand upright and to walk with him. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power. And that power that created the universe is the power that
1: works in us and works through us that the master has given to us. Good point. Um, One final comment from Jack. He said, a verse to remember if we expect Jesus to confess us before God, we must confess him before our peers. Matthew 10:32. Therefore everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. So we need to remember that that, that there's an eternity and there's a judgment ahead and and we want to be right with God in that in that final judgment. I, I, one verse that I would add, I, I think there's so many that that should be an encouragement to us along this line. First Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. One of the things that we have to overcome is this idea that it won't do any good anyway. And, you know, I, I'm just I, I, that guy, that neighbor. Yeah. I'm, there's no use talking to him. It's not going to do any good. You know, and so I stay in my comfort zone, and I and I don't get out there and work for the Lord, and excuse myself by saying, it it, it wouldn't do any good if I did anyway. Let, let, let me remind, well, remind people.
2: Nobody here knows the story.
1: Let me tell you a story.
2: <laughs> There's a man over at the Lanton congregation. He doesn't mind me saying his name. His name's Craig. Craig is the neighbor of Kenneth. Kenneth attended Lanton nearly all of his adult life. They've been neighbors for 30 years. Kenneth invited Craig every time there was a gospel meeting, every time there was a special lesson, every time there was just something going on, and he invited him when there wasn't nothing going on. Craig always said no. Until one day, I don't know what it was in Craig's life, but he said yes. After 30 years, he finally said yes. Craig came to the service, and you know what sermon he heard? You want to walk on water? gotta Get out of your boat. He heard the one we heard tonight. <laughs> he, he heard the one we, we did tonight. And, and Craig said, you know, I've been wanting to do more. I, I know that I need to be a Christian. I know I need to follow the Lord. And about a month, and, about a month, month and a half later, Craig was baptized into Christ.
1: All because Kenneth never gave up. Never gave up. I think that's a good example. Of the, it, it Good can be done. It does work. We just got to have the courage to get out there and work. Go ahead, Arthur. And
3: two, when you were talking about, Clay, that uh, God never called anyone to sink he called us to walk. Yep. Uh, and I'm mindful of the passage in Ephesians uh, uh, 3, verse 19 and 20. And to know the love of Christ, which passes pass knowledge, that we might be filled with the fullness of God, now to him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us.
2: Exactly right. And and I'm going to tell you, that's a great passage to use to teach Christians and to teach congregations. Dream and think big. Dream and think big. Because the Lord wants us to do big things, and he'll help us do those big things that we're wanting to do to satisfy and glorify his will.
1: I, I really think that one of the things we've got to overcome is we tend to judge things from a worldly perspective. And... And if if we're judging things from a worldly perspective, it do, it doesn't always add up. It doesn't. In other words, we try things and maybe we don't get the big increase in numbers that we, that we were hoping for. Maybe yep. we we you know I talked to that neighbor I've been mentioning all night. I talked to him and he and he never does become a Christian. And so I judge it a failure. When God judges it as a success because I did His will and 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 so we. we we're very tempted to look at things in sort of a carnal fashion and judge things from a worldly perspective. We've got to have an eternal, spiritual perspective, and if we do, we see these things as victories and accomplishments to God's glory. Go ahead, Arthur. First uh, Corinthians
3: three and verse six. I'm mindful in what you said there, Greg. He said, "I have planted; that is, Paul. I planted. Apollos watered. God gave the increase." So. We can never, as you say, we can never say that we're a failure. When we put the word out there, teach them, you know, we're never a failure whether accepted or not. Exactly right.
1: Clay, yeah. we're just about out of time. Any final thoughts? Well, I think we may, might want to just end
2: tying all this back together okay. one last time. When we look at Matthew chapter 14, what we see is Jesus is calling for us to come and to follow him, to walk with him, even if it's out on the water in the middle of the storm. But we got to leave our boat. And our boat represents our comfort zones. We've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to overcome the the fear that we have. We've got to be able to do those things that will energize and grow our faith. And then when we do that, we can't take our eyes off him. We've got to keep our eyes on him always. Even once you get
1: started, you've got to keep your focus on Christ. And and that's what we've all got to do. Those of us who are Christians, maybe been Christians for years, we're not done yet. We got to keep our focus on him. Clay, thanks for a good study. Oh, thank tonight. you so much. Thanks Gus. for the lesson you brought us earlier tonight. Uh, appreciate you being with us on the virtual Bible study. Uh, a reminder to those who are listening: our our gospel meeting here at College View continues and concludes tomorrow night. That'd be Friday night, the twenty fifth of September. Uh, Gary Smalley from Jackson, Tennessee, will be with us to bring us a lesson, and we invite you to come and participate. Of course, we encourage you to make it a regular appointment to join us for the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. Uh, we hope that you all maybe, you know, you can do this, and I've encouraged people to do it, Put an alarm, uh, set an alarm on your cell phone that will go off about five minutes before the Virtual Bible Study starts to remind you, To get on the computer and use it for something good, as we often say. There's a lot of bad things people do with the computer, but you can do something good by joining the Virtual Bible Study every week. And so until next week, Lord willing, we'll join you again at the regular time. But until then, as Jacob always says, read and study your Bible every day. Live by it. You'll never regret it. Thanks for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study.